perhaps the most famous words of the Torah, perhaps the most famous verse in all of the Torah, which is, Hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. If you wanted to pick one verse that really encapsulates the Jewish theme, the Jewish motto, even in times of great persecution, this is the, this is the words on the lips of the Jew as he's being threatened and said, you know, you cannot keep your religion on the pain of death. Sadly, but proudly, many Jews went to their deaths with these words on their lips, Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elokeinu Shemachad, dedication to the one God. And so it's something that we say every single day. As we'll, we'll read, the Torah tells us we're supposed to read the Shema at the time when people go to sleep, lie down to go to sleep, and the time that people get up in the morning. And so this is a positive commandment in the midst of the Torah, one of the 613, which is relatively easy because you don't have to do anything. You just have to say something. You read it. And in general, when we talk about reading as a mitzvah, we're not talking about reading with your eyes, but rather uh, reciting. Reciting is probably better than reading. So we're required to recite the Shema twice daily in the morning and at night. And it's a very, very powerful, powerful passage. And presumably that's why we, we read it twice a day, keeps us, reminds us who we are and what we're here in the world for, and gives us, um, gives us the direction that we need to live our lives in a meaningful way and in a way that's connected to who we are and to our source. So let's dive in. Shema Yisrael, this is verse 4 of chapter 6 of Deuteronomy. Shema Yisrael, listen, O Israel, meaning the Jewish people. Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad. The Lord is our God. The Lord is one. Let's look at Rashi. Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad. Hashem Shehu Elokeinu Ata, the Lord who is our God now. But the nations... Do not consider him their God. They've got some other gods. Who He is going to be in the future, in the times of Mashiach, the one God. All the nations will embrace the one God. So if we if we look at the verse again, hero Israel, the Lord is our God. You'd have to put in brackets over here, according to Rashi, now. And then it Continue in your brackets, but in the future, in the time of Mashiach, the Lord will be one. There will only be one God for all people. So what does it mean, one the one God, in Rashi's interpretation? One in the sense of accepted by all. And Rashi cites the verse from Tzifania, the prophet Tzifania. That at that time, in the times of Mashiach, Oz, Hashem will, Hashem will cause all nations, all nations will call in the name of God. And he cites another verse from Zechariah, Zechariah. This is a verse that we're also familiar with from Aleinu, the Aleinu prayer, the song. At the end of on that day, God will be one and his name one. 
So in this verse, Rashi, um, you know, I, I don't know if this was Rashi's intention, but in this verse that he cites from Zechariah, it's clear that it, 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 it bolsters Rashi's interpretation because it's saying that on that day, God will be one. What does it mean on that day, God will be one? He's not one now? Well, yes, according to Rashi, God is not one now because they're in the sense that not every, not all nations accept God. They have other gods. But there will come a day when Hashem echad. So it turns out that in this very seminal uh, fun, foundational verse of Judaism, we have reference to the time of Mashiach. Every time we're saying Hashem echad, according to Rashi, what we're saying is that there will come a time when our God, who is now only our God, will eventually be the God of all people. So it's a, the meditation there is that the state of the world as it is, as it is now is a temporary state. And it's an aberration. It's abnormal that God is not recognized. And so it is, it's an affirmation and a meditation on the fact that this will one day change and will come to a time when God's existence, God's sovereignty will be recognized by all people. Now, I would venture to say that this is not just about all people. Even if we go within ourselves, there are parts of ourselves that <laughs> worship other gods. Um, doesn't necessarily have to be a stone. It could be ambitions or desires, ego. Those are also other gods. And we live in a time when even within ourselves, without having to go to other nations, God is, does not necessarily reign supreme in our lives. And what we're saying is that there will come a time, the times of Mashiach, that, that our nature will change. And all of us, our entire being, not just our inner conscious consciousness, not just the, the nekuda sayadus, not just the pintaliid, the, the essence, not just our essence will be in a state of awareness of God, but our entire being our emotions, our intellect, our actions, everything will be permeated with this oneness of God. Of course, there's so much to say about this verse, but we'll have to keep moving and see what Rashi says on the next verses. So according to some opinions, this is the reading of the Shema. When we say you have to read the Shema every day, it refers to reading this verse. Here is our God, there's one, you're done. There is another uh, phrase that we say, Baruch Shem Kvod Machotor Lambed, and according to some opinions, you've, 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 you've fulfilled the obligation. However, other opinions say no. You have to read the next passage as well, which begins, and you shall love the Lord your God. According to yet other opinions, you have to read the next section after that, which begins, it will be if you will listen to the Lord your God, as you see in the Siddur. Uh, just as an aside, there's a third paragraph in what we call the reading of the Shema, as the Rambam defines it, which is, and talks about tzitzit, the mitzvah of, of the fringes. And that clearly is not part of the mitzvah, original mitzvah of the Torah to read the Shema because it comes from a different, different book. It has not, it's not related to the Shema directly. The reason that the sages attached it to the reading of the Shema is because it has the remembering of Exodus from Egypt. We're supposed to remember Exodus from Egypt every day. And the sages put these two mitzvahs together, the mitzvah of Shema and the mitzvah of Exodus from Egypt. Perhaps in our comments we can we can talk about why they put that together. But let's move on. Verse five. The hafta you shall love. 
the Lord your God. Now that, of course, raises a lot of questions. How can you command someone to love? Love is a feeling. You could command somebody to do something, but how can you command somebody to love? Either you love or you don't love. So let's see if Rashi addresses it. V'afta, Hashem, like you should love the Lord your God. B'chol levavcho, with all your heart. U'v'chol nafshecho, with all your soul. U'v'chol ma'idecha, with all your means. Let's see what Rashi says. V'ahavto, asei devarav me'ahava. You shall do his commandments out of love. So here Rashi, already is answering the question. It's not saying, it's not necessarily a command to love God. He's saying, how, what is the proper approach to doing mitzvahs to do it out of love? You can't compare somebody who does something out of love and somebody who does something out of fear. Because somebody who is working for his master out of fear, when the going gets tough, and the master sets a great burden upon him, the servant will leave him and go away. But if he, Rashi doesn't finish the thought, but the, the obvious implication is that if he's serving the master out of love, then even if it gets difficult, even if it's a heavy burden, he continues to do the work. Reminded of the story that, famous story that if somebody, it's a parable, if somebody is, somebody asked the Rebbe, you know, they Rebbe was giving out dollars to thousands of people in his old age, in his 90s, standing. And he said, how do you, how do you not get tired of this? And Rebbe said, when you're counting diamonds, you don't get tired. In another context, he said, if you were carrying a heavy load of rocks and somebody came with another rock, you say, I can't do it. I, it's too much. But if you're carrying diamonds, somebody came with another diamond, you say, yeah, sure. No problem. So... If we, if it's out of fear, if you're doing it out of fear, then it could be, it could become too much. But if you're doing it out of love, then there is no, there isn't this risk of the servant turning away and leaving it. So according to Rashi, Vahafta means it's not the love, it's not a commandment of loving per se, but the the the, the motivation for the whole relationship, the motivation for the for the engagement with. Torah and mitzvahs, what should it be based on? It should be based on our love for God. And um, I'm sorry, I shouldn't say that. Um, it, it should be infused with our love for God and not just fear. So the reason I take that back is because as Alter Rebbe explains in Tanya, um, the love and fear are the wings, so to speak, of the mitzvah. Right, the mitzvah is the deed itself, but in order for it to soar, in order for the mitzvah to soar, in order for it to fly, like a bird, it has to have wings. And otherwise, the mitzvah is kind of lays, lays. It's a mitzvah, but it it doesn't soar. And he says that the two wings, I believe it's from the Zohar, the two wings of the mitzvah are love and fear. So we actually had this yesterday in the Ten Commandments where we talked about the two sides of Shabbat observance, where one is, you know, the, the don'ts, don't, don't, uh, don't work on Shabbat, don't do this activity. And the other side of it is the positive, celebrate the Shabbos, commemorate the Shabbos, recite the Kiddush. Similarly, in every mitzvah, you have that, those two sides, you have the love and the fear. 
And without that, you only have a one-winged bird. And in fact, Alter Rebbe says in chapter 41, Tanya, that fear is really the foundation. That fear has to be the foundation. So, so that's why I took back what I said. And what Rashi is saying here is not that you don't need the fear. You need the fear as well. You need that as a foundation. But what is infusing the mitzvah has to be love as well. Let's go to the next, ver next phrase. With all your heart. Here Rashi says something amazing. With both of your inclinations, your good inclination and your evil inclination. Wow. That's a very tall order. What we're saying is everybody has a good inclination, bad inclination. So the... Uh, expected thing would be that you're serving God with your good inclination, your bad inclination. You have to silence the bad inclination. You have to ignore the bad inclination. Says Rashi, the Torah is telling you, Now, where does Rashi get this? Um, obviously, it's a medrash. It's, a, it's a free. But where in the verse is it hinted is because the word for heart in Hebrew is lev. Lev is two words, two letters, laman and vet. Lev is heart. But the, the, the Taurus doesn't say levcha or libcha. It says levavcha, which is a double. It's got, it's got two vases in there. Two vets. Why is that? It hints to the fact that you're supposed to serve God not only with your good inclination, but with your bad inclination. How do you serve God with your bad inclination? It basically, again, to, to draw on the Tanya, is that the, the what we call the evil inclination, the bad inclination, the animal soul, is not necessarily seeking evil. It's seeking self-satisfaction. It's seeking um, pleasure. So if you can convince your evil inclination, your animal soul to get on board and say, where's the greatest pleasure? Where's the greatest satisfaction? The greatest satisfaction and pleasure is in performing God's commandments. That's where you've achieved what this verse is saying. As Rashi interprets it, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. That means every with every part of you. You shouldn't have a part of you that is, I mean, this is what you're striving for. You, you, you know, it's a constant battle. And as Alter Reb explains in Tanya, it is um, you know, not necessarily achievable by all people, but it's something we're supposed to try to to aspire to to work on, is getting as much as we can, all of us, including our animal soul, on board with all your heart, both of your inclinations. Rashi gives a second interpretation. Your heart should not be divided with the omnipresent. The next phrase, here we have an a incredible uh, teaching that a, that a Jew is required to give up his life for Judaism. I mentioned in, in, in about the word Shema, that if a person is told, you know, give up your religion, we're going to, the, the, the life will be taken. The Jew is required to give up his life, not to worship a foreign, a false God. We'll just finish this verse, and we'll open it up to Q&A. As the translation has here, with all your means, with all of your possessions. There are people whose possessions are more precious to them than the body itself. Therefore, it says, <laughs> What's Rashi saying? If, if the Torah is saying you have to give up your life for God, so certainly you got to give up your money. It says, no, it's not so simple. 
And some people value their possessions more than their own body. So the Torah has to, has to spell it out. You got to be willing to give up your possessions for Shema Yisrael. Another explanation. That comes with the word with whatever measure God meets out to you, whether it's good or a measure of good that is not perceived. It seems like punishment, or maybe it is punishment. King David says in Psalms, a, a cup of salvations is plural. Whatever, whatever, um, whether he finds trouble and grief, whatever it is, he calls out the name of God that we never turn away from God since even in those times when we face troubles, we face challenges, God is not turning his, uh, away from us. That's only the external. Uh, there, there's the, the hidden blessing. We, we always pray for the revealed blessings. But even in times of hidden blessings, even whatever midah, whatever measure God is is dishing out to us on any particular day, we have to have the same equanimity of, of love for God and recognizing that whatever we're experiencing is coming from the love of God. And we mirror that with our love of God. So we got through two of the verses of the Shema, which is pretty good. Just scratching the surface. Um, you know what? I'm going to uh, go against protocol and keep going since this is such an important passage. At least it just finished until two more verses. I'll try to go quickly. Verse 6. These words that I'm commanding you today should be upon your heart. Rashi says, what is this love referred to in the previous verse? It's that these words, the mitzvah shall be upon your heart. Through this, you will come to recognize the Holy One, blessed be He, and will con consequently cling to His ways. Next Rashi. The verse says that I'm commanding you this day. When? What's this day? It says Rashi, this day is this day, literally every day right now. This verse is saying on this day, this Friday, uh, the 14th of Av, 5781, the verse is referring to this day. How? Because as Rashi says, they shouldn't appear to you as an antiquated edict, which no one cares about, but as a new one, which everyone is rushing to read. Everybody's rushing to see what is the new edict of the king. It's very exciting. That's how we have to view the Torah on each and every day. Verse 7, You shall teach them to your children and you shall speak of them when you dwell in your home or sitting at your home when you're walking on the way or traveling on the road when you lie down when you arise vishinantam what does it mean vishinantam mean it's a you know the, the word for teach is vilimaditam as we do have later why what's vishinantam shinantam means to be sharp that we should not just learn the Torah, but we should learn it and know it well. That if somebody asks you a question, you should ha shouldn't have to uh, um, game. You shouldn't have to hesitate about it. 
Um, rather, you, you have the answer immediately. Levonecha. What does it mean, Levonecha? So here he says, sons. I said, children. Rashi says, Levonecha gar means Eloa Talmidim. These are the students. That it says when you have to teach your children, it actually refers to students. And Rashi um, cites, Rashi says, we, we find that often the, the students are called children. As it says, you are the children of God. What do you mean the children of God? We're obviously not the children of God. God is not, there's no physical, biological, you can't be the father, you know, it's unlike what's claimed in, in, in a different religion. There's no such thing. God has a child. So what does it mean that we're the children of God? It's a metaphor. We just like you know, the, the parents um, teach their children. The students are the children of the teacher in that metaphoric sense. There's also in, in Kings, it says, B'nai Hanavim. The sons of the prophets. It doesn't mean the children of the prophets. It means the students of the prophets. And also by Chizkiah, who taught Torah to all of Israel, he called them children. My sons, my children now do not forget. He's talking to his students. And just as, just as students are called children, so too the teacher is called Av, the teacher is called father. Shenemar Avi Avi. Rechav Yisrael, um, Elisha said to his teacher, uh, Elijah the prophet, he says, my father, my father, the chariot of Israel. Who was he talking to? It wasn't his father. It was his teacher. But we see that you call um, the teacher a father. So this relationship of, of teachers and students is um, metaphorically like that of a parent and a child. Your principal topic of conversation should be about Torah. A same ikirvaltasa, make that the main topic and or make that the main primary engagement of your life, Valtasim Tafel, it shouldn't be secondary. The Torah doesn't mean when you actually lie down, that's when you need to say the Shema. So if you went in for a nap during the day, doesn't mean you have to say the Shema. Rather, the Torah means. The time that people usually go to sleep, the time that people normally get up, that's when you have to say the Shema. Verse 8, you shall tie it as a sign upon your arm and as a totafot, ornaments between your eyes. Rashi tells us these are the tefillin that we put on our arm and those that we put upon our head. And explains why they're called totafot. We'll skip that. And the final verse of, this, of the first section of Shema Verse 9 says, you shall write them as mezuzot. Uh, I'm sorry, upon the mezuzot, on the doorposts of your home and upon the doorposts of, and then upon your gates. Um, Rashi says mezuzot is spelled without a, a vav. It's missing one vav between the two zayins. So it says, there's need for only one mezuzah per door. You don't have to put them on both sides of the doorposts. The gates includes courtyards, provinces, and gates of cities. Let's stop there and open it up to questions and comments. And if anyone needs to go, we will allow them an elegant and graceful departure. Uh, Rabbi, there's, there's so much in this. I mean, like, you were talking about, but no uh, kidding. I was coming back to, I mean, this very strong, uh, really commandment, you shall love 
the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and all your means. I mean, when you take that out, it does take that out quite extensively, right? Powerful. I mean, we can say those words, but to know what that really is down deep is so difficult. And talking about the inclination for good and evil and to love with both sides. And I would think that means what the, the ego, which is always <laughs> looking at self-aggrandizement, power, that kind of thing, and the other spiritual essence, our, our true self down deep. I mean, is that what this is all leading to? This yes. Totality, yeah. totality of loving God. Yes. Yeah. It's uh, <laughs> the whole book of Tanya is really about this. You know, how do we, how do we get, how do we get to this love of God? And as explained in Hasidus at length, we all have, in Tanya particularly, we have what's called Ahava Misuteret. It's called a hidden love. And, you know, it's sometimes you see that in relationships and particularly dysfunctional relationships between family members that there is a love there. You know, they could be fighting. They could be a lot of anger and resentment and they may not be on speaking terms. I'm giving extreme examples, but there's a bond. There's, there's a bond there and there's a love there, but that love is very, very dormant. And in a similar way, hopefully our relationship with God is not too dysfunctional, but we have, we have a part of ourselves where the, the, the love is not revealed and uh, we can ignore it. It could be dormant. You do find people who are angry at God, angry at religion, angry at the Torah. I just was listening to an interview with uh, my uncle, who's a very famous Hasidic singer. And his name is Avram Fried. And it was a beautiful, beautiful incident that occurred, I think about a month ago, where there was a very famous singer in Israel, not religious, what they call Chiloni. And not only was not religious, but he was um, very vocally anti-religious. You know, really like, you know, the, the religious people really <laughs> took quite offense to things he would say. And they were offensive. And he was like the, the you know, the, uh, the bad boy, as my uncle called him, of the Israeli music scene. And, and just, you know, really, really offensive. And, you know, there was a lot of hatred on both sides. So my uncle told the story where he heard, he heard this, uh, his name is Aviv Geffen. He heard the singer saying something nice about the religious people. And my uncle texted him. My uncle is a very Hasidic. He's got a big beard and, uh, you know, it's, it's like a different world. He's from a different world. But my uncle, as he said, he didn't view himself as from a different world. You know, he's a fellow Jew. We all have, uh, we're all connected, one family. So he reached out to him and he said, you know, I was very impressed with what you said. You said something nice. And maybe we could perform together, get together and, and do a song together. Something like that, you know. And um, it happened. They had a beautiful concert, mostly religious people in, in Jerusalem at the Brechata Sultan, the Sultan's Pool. And um, spontaneously, this Aviv Geffen said, he goes to the mic and he says, you know, I, I want to tell you guys something. I want to tell you that I want to apologize. I've said many things over the years, over the decades that were not nice to you, the religious community, religious people. And I want you to 
hope you can forgive me. People started clapping. It was thousands of people. They all, they gave him a standing ovation. And the same thing the next night, he did the same thing again. It was another concert and the same thing, standing ovation. And it was just a great story about, for me, how, you know, although for all these years he was railing against Jews, religious Jews and against Torah and against the religion, but underneath, underneath all of that, there was the Ava Misuteres. He had it. He had, uh, it was just very, very dormant. And we all, to some extent, have this kind of um, two sides of us. But what, as Alter Rebbe says, part of what this is saying, you should love the Lord your God. You don't, you don't, have, to, you don't have to create something new. We have it. We have it naturally within us. It's there. And what this commandment is about is, is developing it, is cultivating it, is trying to bring it out from its dormancy so that it's infusing our actions. And uh, it's a challenge. Alter Rebbe says in the first page of his book that he's, he's, gonna, he's going the, uh, the long, short way. Not the short, long way, but the long, short way. It takes a lot of work. It's a daily practice. Um, the, the beautiful thing also is, is that Vahafta also, you know, it's a command, you shall love, but it's also a promise. It's also a guarantee. If you try, if you put in the work, you'll be able to feel that love and, um, and you, you'll be conscious of it. So it's also a, a uh, you know, it's, it's a command, but it's also, it's also a promise. Um, can I say a couple of things? I just, or if Bruce or Carrie want to, I've got a couple things here and I just don't want to end up, if somebody else has something they want to do, I don't want to get in the way because I got a couple things. <laughs> Why don't you go for one? We'll see. Go how ahead. <laughs> All right. Um, it's just so beautiful. Um, the daily practice, that is the gaining of the skill. Uh, it, I'm saying, I'm asking that, is that the gaining of the skill and the love? What do you mean by gaining of the skill? um, The the love aspect coming and whenever it comes is a total faith and belief. And that's the release into what you've practiced, uh, essentially making it part of your DNA the practice leads you to the love and those two together make for the, the, the great power that this, that the Shema is the embodiment that we are and, and our total allows a think about what we love and the actions we take for that love is so positive is so right? Enriching that it's embodied. You know, the thing I think of is our families or, you know, like, you know, the, the true love and support. And we, but at the same time, we still have to follow the character being in care, having character, having morality, following the rules, follow, you know, like at the same time, but those two things together make this incredible. That's where the, the power comes from. You know, that's where we become Superman, you know, <laughs> you know, by those two together and the daily practice and, and, and knowing it and learning all the aspects of it together with the love of God. 
you know, you have the, you know, when you have that rush, all of us have a rush for some reason, you know, like a, an overwhelming emotion or things like that. You know, I, I don't know. To me, that's what that means. Those two things together. Very beautiful. Thank you, Sean. Mm -hmm. Very well said. It's really hard to say. I mean, I'm trying to, I'm just kind of babbling into it, but it I seems like those elements, I, you know, excuse me for being long-winded there. No, that's fine. Um, and then your story about, I'm sorry, I'll shut up. <laughs> now it's too late. No one's going to interrupt you. I'm so, all right. <laughs> the, the other one was the, uh, here you have the singer that's non-religious, non-righteous and the, and the rabbi. And, uh, and the power of quote unquote, non-confrontational and what that means to lead by example. Um, I'm literally doing that with a friend of mine who has felt his, you know, that allowed victimism and such. And, and he's gone through some tough things. And rather than say, see, I was right or any of that, I've just supported him and been a, a positive person for this person to speak with and talk about what it is to be a victim and what narcissism and we talk back and forth and we look and his whole demeanor is changing rather than you were wrong here and you know this whole back and forth thing right um and that's what i loved about that and then the shema has that as well you know just do it you know <laughs> anyway thank you for sharing that Thanks, John. That's very good because you truly cared about him rather than judged him anymore. I think that's that was very mm -hmm. kind of him. came around, right? That's right. Yeah, very good. He, he, he's coming, he's coming around, but his person, the person, I'm watching the person change. The him, you know, by by himself into it. You know, it's like we, people have to buy, take it on themselves. And that's why you have to do the work. I can't, Rabbi or you, Bill, you can't do my Shema. <laughs> hey, let me do it twice. Once for me, once for Sean. All good. You know, it's got to be because it's your own journey. And the beauty of like one paragraph, that Shema is so powerful like I so totally see how you could talk about it. and then the humbleness of it. I mean, like it just ties so many beautiful things together. And um, as you can tell, I'm a little bit, I mean, there's the love, right? I mean, whatever it is that you do. And uh, uh, Ronald, uh, Ron said he heard, he talked to a rabbi when he was in Jerusalem who said, look at this. I get to spend all this time with Hashem. Look at this beautiful time we get to spend together. And some of this goes back to, and think about how humble that statement is and how, um, how much, I mean, like we could study that statement and the perspective of that person and, and how the outlook, right? And I mean, every day, every thought, it's just, a, it's like a prism. If you just shift the prism and your thought on that, toward a toward a positive and you're where do you need to cheat rabbi said it's it was he you know it's all there it's it's right there for us you know and uh anyway beautiful thank you sean thank you for sharing that it's a great great story 
Anybody else want to share something or ask something before? I we... want to share something if I may. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, this was a fantastic class, another fantastic class. I um, really like the reminder uh, uh, to say the Shema and why we say the Shema. It's very helpful to have occasional redirection and guidance, you know, in my practice. So I appreciate that. And the story about your uncle also, it's a beautiful story. Unfortunately, I feel like too often we hear about stories of division and rivalry and discord between various branches on our Jewish family tree. And this was a story of, of coming together and harmony and family love, which is important to me. So thank you for sharing that story. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you for putting it that way. That is, that is great. Yes. We need more of these stories. They're out there. All right. Well, thank you all. This has been a great studying the Shema. Really deserves its own series, the Shema. Um, and we wish everyone a good Shabbos. This is known as the Shabbos Nachamu. It's the Shabbos that comes right after Tisha B'Av, which was this past Sunday, the saddest day of our calendar. And so this Shabbos is called the Shabbos of Comfort. And it, it's named after the first words of the Haftorah, which start, Nachamu, Nachamu, Ami, be comforted, be comforted, my nation. God's, God's words to us, be comforted. So the whole Shabbos is called Shabbos of Comfort. It should be indeed a Shabbos of Comfort for all of us, for the entire world. We should be comforted for everything that's gone on in our history. We know when Mashiach comes, we'll be able to look back and say, that makes sense. Shabbat Shalom. And we'll Bat see you Shalom. on the other side. Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom. Thank you all. Shabbat Shalom. Toda Shabbat Shalom.